Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. Just for Welcome to Season 30, Episode 5 of the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Kimmy. You were doing great radio voice. I was getting enamored. Do it again. Oh. This is Kimmy. <laughs> this is Stork. And this is Mo. Welcome. All right. In today's episode. Dun, dun, dun. You are. Right? <laughs> Forlorn, Forlorn Hope 22 asks, how many plot threads are too many? Eric from Oregon talks aspects and fate and PC items. This is a callback to a couple episodes ago. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually yeah. glad I'm here because I was thought that episode. And yeah. I think I had a lot to say about it. <laughs> and Davi in California ruminates on game versions and how some systems survive the test of time while others don't. Um, if you'd like to contribute a question or story to the show, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Gmail. Yeah. We love stories. We love horror stories. Yes. We also like success stories. Also, I'd like to add in that we used to do it, but it doesn't happen so much anymore. But if, if any of our advice has worked, we love follow-up <laughs> emails. Or if it doesn't work, we love follow-up emails. Like, what are you guys talking about? Because it, uh, it, it it's always fun to read later on, like, how things resolve. Because sometimes these stories are like, gold they're almost not quite nightmare <laughs> stories but they're always like oh yay and oh it was just a big misunderstanding mm -hmm. or um yeah we switched sim systems and it worked um i like always like to hear how uh how things get resolved yes happy and endings apparently uh questions that split the party are also popular especially when half the party's not here yes. <laughs> <laughs> we, we do enjoy <laughs> um announcements uh very exciting JackerCon is coming back. Yay. Our online Yay. Uh, fan run, mostly convention, um, but a bunch of hosts run games and playing games and stuff too. It's totally free. We're planning it this year for July 22nd through 24th. DT Pine started that all those years ago. So many years ago. Yes. Um, so we're really excited about having it. Um, it. The last few years, it's kind of faded as everything has. So. So We're back. Quick story. My my oldest daughter, who was young when we started this, is now gaming and doing stuff online. And, and she had no idea that the people she was gaming with was DT Pints and some <laughs> of the Happy Jacks people. She went to the Discord and got the people, but she didn't realize it. it was like, no, DT Pints. Yeah, he's been around a long time. He does JackerCon. She's like, what, what do you? What yeah. Do you? <laughs> anyway. So um, stay uh, tuned for more information, exactly how to sign up and stuff like that. That's all kind of still getting worked out. Um, it should be really great, especially now that everyone's really used to running, playing online now. Right? It should be super smooth. That's something else we talked about in the last uh, It's like something we're taking away from the pandemic is how streamlined that's become for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be kind of a weird thing where everyone's like, how do I play online? Right. And right. now it's like, oh, wait, we're all very good at this. Um, and it's, it's going to get to the point. How do I roll dice without my, right? my computer? I don't have my automatic dice roller. Yeah. How do people know I'm not cheating? <laughs> well, well are, are you a dick? <laughs> okay, no. That part. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, oh, our, for this week, um, make sure you, so you don't miss JackerCon and all these things. Uh, follow us on social media. 
We have Twitter. We've got Instagram, which I'm trying to be good about posting to. So you'll get information there. I know a lot of people are abandoning Twitter. Um, Just and... lots of pictures of dice. That's all you got to do. <laughs> Every, every week you get another picture of dice. Yeah. Well, there, there's announcements and stuff there. Um, and we also have a Facebook page and a Facebook community if you want to, like, hang out and chill with people, too. So we are at Happy Jacks RPG everywhere. So. And I hear the Discord is rocking. Yes. I was picking one thing to say, Stork. The Discord's... Yeah. I just got into Discord. Oh, yeah? And I learned how to um make a GIF. A GIF. That was, like, my little lesson for yes. the day. It was like... Okay, Mo, this is how you get. Here we go. All right. Yeah. Okay, friends. All right, everybody watch. Miss Kimmy's going to show you how to get on the Discord. Back when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> we pronounced them GIFs. GIFs. Right? <laughs> oh, man. I, I spent most of today, my students are working on a research project. And so today is the day I taught them how to do Google Slides. So literally all day I've been like, highlight. And they come up, these are the fonts. Click on the fonts. Pick a font that I can read. Right. That everyone can yeah. read. Yeah. Klingon is right out. Yeah. I mean, that I probably web, 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 web dings. Yeah. Web dings. Everybody. Wing dings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all Wing it. dings. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I, I think that's everything. I'm super excited about JackerCon. Um, it's been, an, like, it was a really big thing for the community for a while, and it's just, it's just fun. It's it was an honor yeah. that someone had taken the time and effort, and DT Pines basically spearheaded it himself for years. And we gathered these together, and it was a 24-hour marathon. And it was just an honor that he was so moved by the podcast that he wanted to do that himself. Yeah. And I think he still listens, and he's still a fan. But you know, running an online 24-hour game thing marathon is a lot of work. Now, yeah. I think at the time he was also a crab fisherman, so he was used to staying up late and, uh-huh. and the hard work, but not so much anymore. Maybe. But <laughs> anyway, we were all like, really? It's an honor. I'm still honored. It still yeah. blows my mind. Well, it's a little easier now, too. Um, there's like a whole bunch of different ways to have people sign up online and people volunteering to run games. And now that everyone's so good at running online, yeah. it's like, yeah. here's my Zoom link or here's right? my yeah. Discord link or whatever. So it kind of runs itself when people volunteer and you have it all organized. So ah, uh, see, that's the uh, point. Uh, organized. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, I think, I mean, we have people in so many different time zones. Um, just looking at our world map. That's so cool. Everyone, we have all continents. That's so exciting. But um, so I'm expecting to have games. That's why we kind of put it through the 22nd through the 24th. Because there'll be people who are gaming on the 23rd while it's still the 22nd for somebody else in their game. <laughs> and so the 24th. Weird. So that's honestly like the thing I'm most like. This, this greatly amuses Kim. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it'll be winter in Australia and summer here. <laughs> Madness. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah yeah so it's christmas we're gaming it's like what do you mean it's august what, what? right yeah that's how time zones work it's so weird <laughs> and hemispheres <laughs> yeah. um all right let's start with the first email who would like uh, to i will read the first one okay greetings kimmy and whoever else is in kimmy's echo chamber <laughs> do you have a name for this place yet uh this is dio 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 is the name of our studio okay the echo chamber, Dio. Hopefully by the time you read this, you have gotten your new studio to the point where you are happy with it and you can take my gentle ribbing in the spirit it was intended. See, this is a, a joke about the first couple of episodes we did in here where there was a terrible echo on all the mics. Uh, so now there's just a slightly annoying buzz that most of you can't hear except me. And as, now you're going to hear it because I just mentioned it. But anyway. As not just great. a host, but a listener. <laughs> I, I think Kimmy hears that more than anybody else. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Start just like, like, 
facepalm. Like, why did you say that? Last night, my players in our long-running campaign said something that surprised me. In a rather offhanded manner, they started talking about how they were lost. They were losing track of all the various plot threads that were waving around unfinished. Oh, boy. Now that a bunch of us, now a bunch of that is their own fault for moving on to the next shiny thing before the previous villain was defeated. And even more, it's just the way the consequences of running a game for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Lots of things get left by the wayside. Mm -hmm. But this did get me thinking. How many unresolved plot threads in a game is too many, are too many. Obviously, there's an upper limit. If the players can't resolve anything because the GM is just constantly throwing buckets of problems at them, they also don't get time to resolve. That would just lead to frustration. On the other, on the other limit, a game with only one thread feels railroady to me. It's a proclamation by the GM. This is what you're doing today. Get to it! I personally feel that having a bunch of possible paths to adventure and problems to solve makes the world feel more alive and gives the players more choices and thus more agency. However, I refer back to my players losing track of all the things that were going on. Maybe I've overstepped and have just produced a confusing mess. What do you think? I'm aware that the number of acceptable threads is going to vary greatly depending on the length of the game being played. A one shot won't have time for more than one possible problem untrue um <laughs> and 10 session games probably have much have time for a main storyline and one storyline per character but for a long-term campaign how much is too much thanks and love for lauren 22 on discord i don't think there's a numerical value you can attach to this in fact i think that's unfair mm-hmm. i don't think you can say there's uh, six is isn't just enough and eight is too many i really because it depends on the size of the plot threads and even the type of game that you're running um, I, we've suffered this in the vampire game. Mm-hmm. There were so many little things that were going on that we lost track and stuff. And it's disappointing because I, when I play a video game, I'm a completist. Mm-hmm. Every side quest I got to finish. Every main quest I got to get to, it eventually gets to the point where you just can't do it alone or you need help and it takes too much time and you abandon it. But I love, I, I hate to having the plot threads just hanging there. Yeah. I want to find them. I'm like, and then I have to go back and do them with them. Personally, I think that if you start throwing in more than two or three, especially if your players have abandoned them or forgotten about them, you're doing a disservice. Mm-hmm. Because I, I almost think the GM at some point needs to remind them or have a, have a have some sort of way to remind the players because they they do they get caught up yeah. they follow a thing mm-hmm. and you need to remind them that you know well there's this other event you guys maybe skipped over. I don't think it's fair to say that three is not enough and six is too many. I think it really is going to depend on the type of game you're running and how many people you have. There is, there's maybe a caveat to this, which is if all of your players have a backstory thread that's left hanging, it's almost unfair to the rest of the players to peruse those threads to to their end because it leaves the other players without anything mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, and you have to be careful how you do that. You have to make sure that everybody can help the dwarf find his hammer and regain the kingdom and then you guys can go help the elf find his bow to reclaim his kingdom and then you can go help the human find his fork fork to reclaim his pup or whatever it is humans are boring you, you know, know what it. i'm saying i know it everybody knows it right <laughs> see I'm, I'm actually gonna disagree um Good. And, and, like that. and i don't know if i'm disagreeing but i don't necessarily i i need more of the tone at which things were said um because I have been a very sensitive GM before, 
And I have heard things that maybe were said in the spirit of fun and taking them seriously. Mm. And so, um, you know, you're doing your best. You're coming up with all these ideas. You're being all the NPCs and the bad guys. You're being tactical. You're, you're, you may have maps. Uh, you're, you're trying to bring all the threads together all at the same time. And then you hear an, a rather offhanded remark. Mm-hmm. What did your players think of this? Yeah. You know, I think that's where I would actually start because, um, you know, it's it's like dating. You know, some people think dumb jokes are, well, the worst thing. The kiss of death. And other people, they like dumb jokes. So, <laughs> um, it explains why I was single for so long. <laughs> everybody has to find their someone. <laughs> um, and then, um, you know. Uh, so, it, it's possible that people want to play games where they're kind of going on a mission and squirrel they see something else and they chase the other shiny and some people might also be um self-aware enough to realize this is what they do mm-hmm. so um I, I yeah like what stork and i were having a conversation off mic earlier um so, sometimes you you have to figure out what game you're playing you know and um you know I think it, it's it's a it's a rather new convention in the last five or six years, but uh, you know, ask the the, the PCs, the players, mm-hmm. you know, to add something to it. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I agree. Like you, like you have to give the players some agency in adding and and contributing to the story. Like it's collaborative storytelling. Like, yeah. like you know, I, I like that point, and I like that addition to it. Like. You can't be so focused in on, okay, I, I can have four active plot lines, but right. then you start rejecting the what, the things that the players are contributing. Right, Absolutely. right, right, right. Um, and that, I, I don't know, on the scale of one plot line to Lost, the series. Uh, <laughs> or is there, is there... Oh, my God. It even depends on your players, too. Yeah. Like, how how, how yeah. into that they are. I, I bring up Lost because... Uh, my my husband loves that show so much. And I tried watching it once and I, I think I had the exact same thing this email is about where I got really into there was a, a thing, there was a black horse that appeared just miraculously on the island in right. one spot. Right. I'm a horse girl. I'm like, oh, it's a magical black horse. It right. it symbolizes something. It means something. And like it's there and like this one character seemed really moved by its sudden appearance and it was like a flashback, so it was part of her backstory. And it never showed up again. It was just an homage to Black Stallion, which was yeah. also on an island. Right. It was, I don't know. It was, it was so <laughs> annoying. I was like, I became very invested in this thing, um, and which, like you said, Mo, like, I think was probably someone's like, we'll throw in this weird thing. For once, no one will care. It'll be right. great. I, I'm pretty sure that's what Lost did, is they wrote themselves in a corner, yeah. and then every week they had to write themselves back out of it. This was like season two or something. Yeah. It was like way early on before they'd painted the entire room, except the tiny two-inch square they were standing <laughs> in. Um, well, that's yeah. a great great analogy yeah. i like that so Hopefully. i like watched and i was like okay horse and i watched like the rest of that season like waiting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no more horse it never came back and i i got so angry i stopped watching the series and nobody mentioned the horse ever again never Nothing. mentioned they didn't even say anything like Weird. never happened i went on like wiki <laughs> <laughs> i, was like, I, I went, must have closure about this horse wiki she went on <laughs> yeah. reddit it was like nothing 
was like <laughs> mystery black horror. Right. And I was like, I hate everything about this show. I'm very frustrated. I'm never watching this again. But that's exactly my point. Like exactly. Some people want closure. Mm-hmm. And some people want to get into a game and they just want to like not be at work, not be a parent. You know, they just want to like have adventures. Yeah. And um, and, and maybe only one adventure. It's like, come on, stop, stop wandering off into the swamp, Frodo. <laughs> let's keep moving forward. Right. Or even more complicated is people are more like casual, easygoing about things, except for the one plot line they right, 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 like. I couldn't tell you anything else about any of the other things that were happening in Lost. Oh, they're on an island. They're trying to get off. Yeah. And there's a black horse there right. that miraculously appeared. So, like, that was not the storyline they wanted me to focus on. No. Um, and if it had been an RPG, the GM would have been like, what? Right. The horse? Right. Right. And, like, go back. Go back. Right. No, what do you do? Oh, they're following the black horse. Right. <laughs> like, so, so... I think that's the hardest thing as a GM is as you're looking at all these plot threads that are out there, picking and figuring out, like being able to read your players well enough to figure out which ones are important to them and try and resolve those ones. And then knowing which ones you can kind of let slide. I mean, I like to think of it. You played the Witcher, right? Yeah. Okay. But I'm trying to think of it like the side quest. The RPG or the... Or the, video the video game. game. Okay. I'm trying to think of it like the side quests. Yeah. And, and in some of the side quests were, meh, you know, just yeah. gather a thing. And some of them were great. Yeah. Like really interesting characters and stuff. And some of them were like, this is better than their, my main plot. <laughs> right? A lot. Like a lot better. <laughs> so I totally like a good threat. I yeah. really do. But, and it's sometimes you feel like it's a shame to abandon them. Mm-hmm. But I'm not saying that we shouldn't. I'm not saying that you shouldn't. Like sometimes you have to give them up. Sometimes you have to. Absolutely. Just in, for the sake of the rest of the party, and they're just too far gone. Yeah, you're on the other right. side of the continent. So you're just like, all right, right. we're gonna let that go. Yeah, um, I, I would crowdsource. Uh, like you know, allow them to have agency mm-hmm. to follow up on whatever they want to do. Yeah, and well, as, as as I alluded to earlier, too, the the other problem that happens is that somebody gets obsessed with the horse side quest. Mm-hmm. And forces ever drags everyone else along with them for three or four episodes, and but, everyone else is bored to tears because they really don't give a fuck about but, the horse. But, but and they really is, want to go back and, and got to get rid of this ring. Yeah. But this is the thing: like <laughs> you need to ride the horse to get rid of the ring. Like you're you're kind of cooking yeah. whatever's in the kitchen. Yeah. So true. you have all these plots, and I'm the kind of guy I want more ingredients. Yes. So I want more plot threads, and you know, you, you make something good. I think that's I think that's really important. Is as the GM, like, it's easy, to, like, I'm getting really stuck in, like, the visual of the plot threads, but I think it's important, like, you can, you can weave those back into exactly. a rope together, exactly. like, like, oh, these two suddenly, oh, this is the same, you got, you fixed both of you, the you same know, bad guy is responsible for both of them. Weave those plot threads into a much mm-hmm. more intricate tapestry, right. whereas before it was just a dark horse, and now it's a horse in a battle along with a castle. Yeah. And suddenly it becomes your game, yes. and not the one in the book. Right. right. Um, I also think it's important, like, it, you don't always have to resolve everything. No. And, like, it can be hard. And sometimes you just have to be like, that's the consequence of chasing this other thing, is this other thing happened and you weren't there to stop it. Yeah. Um, if you if you really want to get them back on course, then have, the, have I don't know, a, t- a timed element where, oh, this is going to happen. Oh, look, 
there's a big explosion or, on the horizon that mm-hmm. you I wonder what that is. Yeah, or even a Deus Machina, like the messenger comes up and says, Oh yeah, remember that person you left waiting on the bridge for, for information? Yeah, they're still waiting. Yeah. Or they got captured and now right. the bad guy has oh, the information right. yeah. they were gonna give you. We forgot about that. Yeah, so there's ways to kind of pull them back in, um, if you're not able to weave everything back together too. And sometimes it's just that's the consequence of their being distracted by the bear or whatever it happens to be. It is collaborative storytelling. It's true. Yeah, and, exactly. and I think sometimes, I think Stu's philosophy was just sort of, you chum the water, you throw out some plot threads and then you stop because yeah. the players are going to make their own complications mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. So at, at some point they're going to come up with their own plot threads too. It's like suddenly they bring in an, uh, an ex-wife or they bring in a family member. And now there's a, a plot with their family that you weren't even anticipating. You had nothing prepped and you got to come up with. Or, it, so, or somebody rolls the dice and they lose their sword. Or they lose their sword. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> it's so I don't know. I feel like you come up with a few plot threads just on your own, and then then there's all these other balls that they're going to throw at you that you can now keep juggling. Right. And again, I want to bring it back to the email that I don't know if there is a number that yeah. you can attach to this. I don't yeah. want to think that that's fair. I I agree there needs to be plot threads, <clears throat> and I agree that there can be too many, but I don't know what the number is for that. Yeah, I I don't think you can say a specific number. Um, I think I think in our vampire game we started having too many. Like you said, we were spinning plates constantly. Part of that was on us because mm-hmm. we were just balancing everything rather than taking action. We were reacting and kind of just keeping keeping everything precariously, not becoming worse, mm-hmm. but also not getting any better. Well, that's kind of what vampires are built to do, though. <laughs> in my mind, it's like we, you know they're only up for about ten, twelve hours in a day, and they really don't want to get found out. So they're doing everything they can to just keep the status quo and get back to sleep. No, no, they should rip havoc <laughs> and like we're we're bloody monsters. We should have just ripped yeah. it apart. Um, but we we're still getting used to the system. And I think that as much as I love that game and Stu did a great job of world building, I think he kept adding things to force us to act and just completely misjudged how many things we could balance. Mm. Like he's like. Oh, okay. I feel like it's like, oh, here's another plate that this will make everything crash. And then, not, nope, they're balancing it. Nope. Okay. <laughs> oh, here, here's another plate. Okay. This will make everything crash. And it'll be, nope, nope. That one's being balanced too. How, how are they doing that? Right. So I feel like you have to kind of look at your, look at your game and say, okay, they're balancing all these plates. If I give another one, is it going to crash and make action happen and make it interesting? Yeah. Or are they just going to add one more thing to what they're trying to balance? And if that's the case, if, if you're seeing that they're just continuing to kind of spin their wheels and not do anything, I would try and wrap up some of the things you've already given exactly. them. And like, okay, these two plates, oh, these two people were murdered. Okay, it's it's the same person. Oh, you caught one. Oh, those plates are gone. Look, right. three plates left. Right. And kind of like simplify. And and one th- I, th- I think one of the issues I had when um running a campaign was you need those peaks and valleys you know you really want people to kind of get worked up over something and you, you people players want a sense of resolution yeah and if you don't give them that sense of resolution people are just going to be like all right now this game is more stressful than my real life yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I have to do more homework for this. I'm to mad keep at you up. at the end of a movie. There's no resolution. You're like, I sat here for two right. and a half hours and you never result. And oh. you're telling me I got to come back in 18 months to watch the second half? Um, <laughs> it's a, it's a <laughs> French movie. They don't resolve anything. Nothing happened. I feel cheated. Yeah. yeah. And so 
um, I, I ran a, a fantasy hero campaign many, many moons ago. And it just fell apart after like nine months, you know, of everybody showing up every week. And, uh, you know, we were all wow. young, young and didn't have kids. Um, but, um, you know, and years later, somebody was like, you know, it, it, you just had all this stuff going on. Like it was overwhelming. It was overwhelming. Yeah. And so, you know, give them give them some wins. I guess that's the answer then is read the room. Yeah. Check the vibe. Yeah, if exactly. your players seem overwhelmed, what? stop throwing plot, plot threads and try to resolve them, as you just said. If if they're just crashing through them and you know and they're and they're not, but they're not back on the main quest again or they don't seem to care about the main quest, then then keep throwing plot threads at them. Yeah, because clearly they they don't care about the main quest. They just want to have fun. Yeah, yeah, take their lead and read the room. That's and that's the thing as a GM. There's a constant sort of checking the temperature and checking in with your players and looking at the room and checking the vibe and seeing. Right? Is this enough? Is it good? Is everyone's having fun because at the end of the day, that, that's what you're there for. It's like we're exactly. all supposed to be having fun, right? Right. It's like, God damn it! It's a game. Damn it! <laughs> it's a game. I think that's great too. It's not just reading the room, like and guessing. Like, ask them. Yeah. <laughs> hey, are, are you guys feeling overwhelmed by how many? How much plot do you guys? Are you lost? Do you know where to go? Do you do you have a plan? Right. Um, and giving them time to plan is actually one of the best ways without necessarily asking straight out, like. Let them let them talk. Yeah. And if they're talking and they they're kind of look, talking like they're going to resolve things, that gives you a hint. If they're talking like they're like, this is how we make sure this doesn't explode, but also nothing in the plot moves forward, then you can make it explode. Yeah. Well, or just say, hey, I'm feeling like you guys don't know what to do next. Is that the case? Like, like don't worry about about breaking character. Right, you're, right, you're, right. You're, you're, you're you're making a story with them. So, like, ask them straight up and be like, do you guys know what's happening? I think that'll that'll give you a lot of information on how many threads you have out there, how you can weave them back together, and if there are too many or if not enough. It's very interesting that a lot of GMs don't... It's almost like you're an actor and you break yeah. the fourth wall and ask the audience, yeah. is that what you're going to say? Yeah. But it, it's okay yeah. as a GM to actually talk to your players as players and say, well, you know, out of character, time out. Is everybody okay? Yeah. Are we all right? Yeah. You guys know what's going on? Is there anything we can do? Yeah. That's perfectly acceptable. We sometimes forget that. I hear you guys saying, this isn't your dad's D&D. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was a good topic. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yes. Thank you. Thank Forlorn, you, Forlorn22. Oh, I'm going to read this one because not only am I from Oregon, but it's also about the email that I was on. So, da, da, da. Eric from Oregon talks aspects in fate. Greetings, Happy Jackals. In listening to Season 30, Episode 3, I was intrigued by the discussion about how the loss of gear could affect player agency in certain systems. At first, I dismissed the idea, especially when it comes to fate. As was pointed out, the player does pick his, usually generically here, character's aspects, and by their very nature in fate, aspects are intended to be, whenever possible, both a positive and a negative. So, if Mr. Awesome loses his amazing sword, and that's one of his aspects, he doesn't lose the use of that aspect. The most direct way he can still use this aspect or have it used on him is through compels. Whenever a situation comes up where not having the sword complicates the situation, he has the chance to gain a fate point. While I wouldn't let a player use that at every round of conflict, I might compel an aspect several times during the adventure until he got the sword back. Mm -hmm. While it's true he couldn't use the aspect to enhance his attack as he normally would, there's nothing stopping the player from finding other ways to use that aspect to improve a role. I break free from Jean-Pierre Deville's bear hug with a special sweeping arm movement I learned while training to use up my amazing sword. 
Granted, this kind of thing requires more creativity, but that's much the fun of using aspects at all. Yeah. I think sometimes it's good to keep players on their toes by giving the characters obstacles they can't just be blown through using the tried and true methods. I remember when the superhero game icons first came out, one of my formidable villains from the game, or one of the more formidable villains, formidable, formidable, I can't say that. Formidable. Thank you. What she said. Villains in that game was, and still is, by the way, he's in the assembled edition as well, called the Troll. Troll! Troll! Troll Hunter is one of my favorite movies. (laughs) Without going too far into the weeds on how the game works, in case you aren't familiar with it, I'll just say this. Troll has a nine resistance to physical attacks in a game where power levels are measured on a scale of one to ten. I couldn't believe the amount of bitching at Icon's mailing list, complaining about how so many characters were rendered useless against him because they couldn't get through his tough hide. They might as well have cried out about losing player agency. To his credit, the designer patiently explained that many times in superheroic stories, the players or the heroes use think outside the box in order to defeat a villain. This is why he designed the troll, as he did. I think the same applies with losing gear. What is the Rocketeer without his rocket pack? Sure would be interesting to find out, if only for a short time. If he does wind up being useless, I can't help but wonder if that's more due to lazy storytelling than the character himself. I can't think of a game system where that wouldn't be the case. Keep up the podcast. I've been listening since your early days. Keep up the great podcast. Oh, keep up the great podcast. I've been listening since the early days, somewhere around season one, episode four, if memory serves. Y'all rock! Blind Geek, a.k.a. Eric from Oregon. Somebody's taking this podcasting stuff seriously. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the compliments as they say. Hey, them. hey. I'm not gonna leave out the, the words that say the word exactly. off. You didn't write it. Um <laughs> Yeah, you bring up very good points, and this is you were really right. This is about how, how this works in fate. Um I thought we talked a bit about some of the other systems. Like like I know in, in D and D, at least at four E, you were really dependent on your magic items or for your to optimize your character, you weren't in, you weren't ineffectual. You just weren't as good, and oftentimes you needed to be as good and streamlined as possible in order to make the encounters as designed work. Yeah, and if the, your if your plus five purple sword was gone missing, you're no longer you can't you can't do the job well because that the, the whole encounter is designed around you and your magic items. Yeah, I push back on that just like, and I thought about this a little bit more after we had that discussion the other day. For D&D, you don't make your character around those items. Those no. items are things you get as you go. Yeah. So it's like, if it's not player agency, if I give you something and then I take it then away. I take it away. It can, it can annoy you. Yes. It could be like, I used to be a rock star and now you fucking made me a roadie. <laughs> but, um, nice. but I feel no, that's like, true. yeah, I feel like in D&D specifically, like, unless for some reason you let everyone pick a magic item to start as part of you know, a higher level campaign or something. Um, it's a little different than in a lot of systems where people put points into getting a specific item mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or the aspects. And it's they... true. People are upgrading magic items all the time. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, my the plus six verbal sword. Screw that. Yeah. I'm grabbing that one. Yeah. Suddenly the, the weapon you've been carrying that has this yeah. amazing backstory. Oh, fuck this shit. Okay. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Like in video games when you're like, oh, break it down for parts. Okay. Yep, yep. <laughs> I, I get attached to them, though. I'm yeah, like, I know. Oh, I'm just going to put it on my wall because it was really good to me. <laughs> your bank chest is just like all the old weapons that are not worth anything know, anymore. But you're I like, no, I can't throw them away. Yeah. Or some of them just look really cool. So you use them anyway because they yeah. look better than like the upgrade is dumb. I like this one. Yeah. Anyway, 
Um, I think the Rocketeer is a really interesting example because mm-hmm. we do think so much, okay, the Rocketeer, his, his power is that he flies. Um, but like he was saying about the aspects, like, no, the, the, the power of the Rocketeer is he's a pilot. Like right. he's a really great stunt pilot. Right. Before, and that's why he was able to use the jetpack. So I, and I love the example about, oh, you can still use an aspect. Like I use a sweeping motion that I learned using my weapon. Like that still counts it. And it gives you the same bonus as if you'd had the weapon. Yeah. So I think if you're going to pull that as a GM, you need to make super clear, like, hey, this is, this is how you can still use this. Like your weapon's gone right now because you got kidnapped and they're not going to let you keep your giant sword when you're kidnapped. Right. But hey, if you, you know, when you inevitably break free, because this is an RPG and you're supposed to have fun, like this is how you can still use this aspect. Here's something to start thinking about now. I've always been a big fan of, as a player, of, of thinking outside the box and mm-hmm. coming up with creative solutions to ordinary problems. Like uh, in Stu's last game that we were playing, we lost some people and such, and, and I think Stu kind of was trying to make it easy, but I, I ended up using, a, a spoilers, I ended up <laughs> levitating a guy and then they shot them over the over the staircase, right? Which is a, a different thing than just, uh, all right, we charge up the stairs, which is what 90% right. of the time right. you do. Yeah. You kick down the door and you charge right. in. But because there were so few people and it was GURPS, we're all like, all right, how can we do this and not die? <laughs> that part. That part. <laughs> that part. Because it's a very real possibility mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that we will die. <laughs> yeah. GURPS is so realistic. You like step on a nail and get yeah. tetanus and you're like, yeah. oh, we, I have locked jaw. I'm sorry. I've, I've talked about this before, but one of my measures of a, of a system is like, what happens if you, you fall down the stairs? Yeah. yeah. And in GURPS, you can die. Die. Exactly. <laughs> Tells you what kind of game you play. Yeah. Completely. <laughs> it sums it right up. And everybody I, laughs at it, but it's such a perfect example. Yeah. That is the one thing that I, I hate simulationist games for the most part. But that is the one thing I, once you get past it all, I actually like playing GURPS once you're done with the building and everything uh, for that reason. Like it's got that, that forced, let's really think about you this. You really have really to think about it. <laughs> and it really does force you to come up yeah. with creative solutions. You're like, okay, let's not just kick the door down. First of all, I'm going to take damage from kicking that oak door because that's right. going to hurt. Right. <laughs> Second of all, uh, we could die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I so, but yeah. I think you guys are getting to the point. Like, again, what kind of game are you playing? Yeah. You know, yeah. um, I hate to reference the Marvel movies, but I think it's really interesting how in Iron Man 1, he doesn't really lose his suit, you know? I mean, it's it's a story about him using his suit. Well, it's about the creation of the and suit. Yeah, yeah. It's about the creation yeah. of his suit and him having the suit. And, you know, but by it does at the end. It breaks down. He's got pieces of it and he yes. gets down to power. So, and, in but, a way, he still has a now. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. But, but in the third movie, he mostly does not have a suit. That's very yeah. true. And, and I think if s- somebody starts a game, with their magic sword, let them play with their magic sword for a while. Yeah. You no, know, don't, don't pull the steal don't, their thing right don't, away. Don't steal their thing right away. Let them have their thunder. Let them enjoy the sunshine. Let them win and lose with it. And then, you know, when you start needing other plot like ideas, okay, what happens when you lose a sword? Yeah. Okay. It's and, like, okay. I mean, no, I mean, it, it just it just gives somebody an opportunity to have the shine that they sat down wanting to have. Or think of it this way, like like Stork and I, let them bond with it. 
Let it become their baby and then take it away. Remember, Jason had his story about the horses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> we were talking about the horses. Did, but, did you listen yeah. to the episode? I, I, yeah, I did. yeah, I did. And it's, I still say, you got to be very careful when you take things away from your players because it can be a real dick move. And like I said, it's when players will be happy and jolly, but the minute you start taking their crap away, they draw a line in the sand and they will, they will. I've seen players yeah, like just kill, want it, to, kill themselves. Want to yeah. kill themselves yeah, before yeah, yeah. you take their horse or, yes. or it's you have to be really, really careful. As a GM, sometimes you you know, again, you gotta read the room. Yeah. But as a GM, you, you don't think much about it. Or you know what you know later on it's like, well, I'm gonna give them a yeah. plus five war horse or whatever it is. You know, after this. So, you know, they're gonna have a better horse. But that you're missing the fact that they've bonded and named yeah, this exactly. horse and they don't care. It's gonna be Bill the Pony and they're gonna ride Bill the Pony forever. They don't and, want the war horse. I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, if if you're gonna pull stuff like that, like have clear communication with your players. Be like, hey, this is this is how you can work around this is, yeah. with the mechanics, especially if they're not the master of a system. That um, part too. Yeah. Especially with faith. Like yeah. this whole like the idea of using your 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 asset that you don't have mm -hmm. as an asset. Um some people get that. And they'll lean into it. Yeah. And other people, you'll kind of have to help them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fate, mm -hmm. fate is very hit or miss. People either can can really take it and run with it and mm -hmm. like expand their powers to be like any wild thing and have a great time. And some people are so used to how other RPGs work. They're like, no, I have a sword and now it's gone and right. I can't use this anymore. Right. Right. So you don't you hold their hand. I'm talking or just don't take their stuff. Yeah. Or don't take you give them the option to upgrade. You know, if they open up the chest and there's another sword in there, do you want it or not? Yeah. I'm not going to take your other sword. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go off for a second because you brought up Marvel movies. Oh. I'm very angry right now. I finally watched the last Spider-Man movie. I'm not going to do spoilers. Good, because I haven't seen it yet. Okay, yeah. But... It's amazing. No, I, I got so angry at it. I, I didn't dislike it. Yes. There was enough of it that yes. was good enough. Yes. But poor Peter Parker just has the shittiest adults in his life. Every single movie in the new uh, MCU where that are supposed to be Spider-Man movies are actually stories about how some adult Avenger fails him miserably, lets, yep. does something completely bad, yep. or gives him something that is terrible, yes. and then at the rest of the movie is like, oh, all this is happening because of you, Peter. It's like... That's awful. No. That's awful. It's well, the last one, what, like the first one, like it was all like Tony Stark, I'm going to give you a super powerful suit and you're a disappointment kid. And I'm like, not, but I'm not going to tell you how to use it. Yeah. I'm not going to actually teach you how to do any of it. I'm just going to be like the faraway father figure that you like want to bond with. It's like, it, you are the reason all these bad things happened, adults. And then poor Peter always. But I mean, nice. this is the same kid whose parents are just gone. Mm -hmm. You know, he's put on his aunt and his uncle. Like, he is the hard-done-by superhero, you know, right, who why... has powers, yeah. but doesn't actually have much quality of life. He's Hamlet. Well, He's yeah. very Hamlet-y. But the MCU movies specifically have yes. leaned to that hard work. Yes. Like, all the movies start with, here's the thing. Like, I I'm not going to do spoilers, but when you watch the movie, there are so many amazing writing moments that I just adored. But overall, I was just very angry at a specific adult Avenger who should have known better in the first 20 minutes of the movie. Yes. And if he hadn't done that, everything would have been fine. Yes. And it's all his fault. And then he's yes. angry. But he blames Peter Parker. 
Everybody does. The well, whole movie, they're he, just he, like... Because he's Peter Parker. Yeah. But well, that's rough. You know, every I mean, adult that, that has failed him. His, 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 his greatest nemesis in the entire comic books is J. Jonah Jameson, who constantly calls him a villain, even though this this Spider-Man supports the whole newspaper. Yeah, see, I'm going to get super deep. I'm going to say that Peter Parker's greatest nemesis is capitalism. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and absolutely. like the fact that despite being a genius, like for, he can never make any money. <laughs> the poor guy. Like, I feel like at some point you should have invented a small tech company yeah. to fund you. Your... He, he does in the comic books. I know. Eventually. Yeah. Depending on which, which one you're comic book. About. Yeah, because there were like five of them at one point. Well, yeah. There's Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah. Now that's been taken over by Batman. There's like 15 Batman comics running. But <laughs> and anyway. Flash and, so yeah. I, I loved it and I would definitely watch it again. But that's like the biggest flaw. Like you look at it and you're just like, no, that but at, least, but at least you had a, a reaction on like Eternals where you're like, uh, no. Eternals, I got very angry at. Okay. <laughs> All right. I, I, I yelled at, at my My husband was like, kids sleeping. This is garbage. Oh, man. Like, Angelina Jolie, warrior goddess, nerfed in the first. Yeah. <gasps> they took her stuff away. They, yeah. <laughs> they, took they took her stuff, stuff away. away. And her stuff was yeah. like her abilities and her yeah. self confidence. Oh my god! I think I'm yelling into the mic. I'm sorry. I'm gonna calm down. So next week on the Happy Jack's Marvel podcast, (laughs) no, because all of this stuff ties in. It does. It does. I'm kidding. I mean, I yes, I I, I'm an old comic book fan. I haven't read comics really since the '90s, so my my knowledge stops between the '70s and the '90s. But I have kept up on most of the major storylines because that. And I'll say this about comics is that you can. Read a read about a storyline or something, and you get caught, caught up for years because they'll they will chase those storylines for five six years mm-hmm. and resolve them. Yeah, and actually, you don't know it, but No Way Home has a lot to do without about losing something. Yeah, so it's very yeah. interesting. But uh, stuff stuff. I I so yeah, it's, it's available now. I should be able to buy it and watch it because I don't want to go to a theater. No, you, yeah, you can rent it. That's why I watched it the other yeah. day. It's on uh, Marvel. Yeah, oh, no, I think you have to rent it. It's you know, not yeah, on we watched Plus. it on Apple TV. Is it on Disney Plus? It's not on Disney Plus. Yeah, no, yeah, you have to rent it. So I think it's on Amazon and all the things. Sony stuff. And you can watch it, and there's there's really amazing moments. Like some of my favorite moments. I still haven't seen Spider Verse either. That was another thing. I know. I know. I know. I know. You're judging me. I can feel it. Feel you judging me from all the way over there. I know. I'm judging right here. I know. The soundtrack for that one is just. Chef's and right. there's and there's a great example of how you take a lot of plot threads and tie them all in together in what, as one. Yeah. Right? And they all come and together in a happy no, body. But they don't. Yeah. Most of them are not resolved. Yeah. But Ooh. it also, like, it kind of doesn't matter. And it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's absolutely okay. And, and that's part of, like, the lesson he learns in life. Exactly. Like, hey, like, you can't always wrap everything up yep. in a perfect bow. Yeah. And all the adults will betray no, even, the your, adults, even your own selves. I, the adults oh. in that movie, for the most part, are actually very okay. Cool. Good. Like oh. I, what? Yes. Yeah. No spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. For the most, yeah, for the most part. But like, you can look at those adults and be like, they are trying. They are trying. They are trying. They are doing. They their want to best. do the right thing. Many of them can't. Yeah, but it's not like the 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 recent movie or the other Spider Man with with Tony Stark too, where it's just like. You're being a terrible adult. Stop yeah, well, it. I mean, that's and Tony like, Stark's thing. Right, yeah. but like... And and if you look at our, Iron Man 1 and 
Doctor Strange one. They're kind of the same movie. So um, yeah, <laughs> they're kind of the same person. But Tony Stark <laughs> should know better by then. Like he's been no, he, through no. Iron Man one, two, and three. He did a lot of emotional growth in Iron Man three. Okay, this is getting to be no. too long of a part of the podcast. Sorry, but three is like my favorite because of like really yeah. Mm. It, one is mine, but oh, one is fantastic. But three really. But I always good. love origin stories. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and it was my childhood brought to life watching yeah. all that happen. I'm like, <gasps> go go watch it, and then we'll talk about it another time. Yes. And you'll be like, I know exactly who you're talking about. And okay. You should have known better. Oh, I'm pretty sure I know who you're talking yeah, about, but I don't want to like, immediately. Just made the trailer. I kept waiting for like the. Okay, there's going to be a thing that explains no. this ridiculous. Tra- no, 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 no. Right, I think that angry. thing comes out on Friday. Yeah, I just want to do like... <laughs> yeah. You know what? In the Doctor Strange movie, some of that might actually get resolved. Yeah, I think so. But it, it was just... You just stare at it. And you're like... It's right there. I wouldn't even do that in an RPG with a character I wanted to die. <laughs> like, why would you make that choice? Anyway. Um, no. Um, Mailbag 3. Mailbag 3. I'm trying to fix the thing. Um, all right. Mailbag 3, Davi in California. Hi. Hey, all. Those of Poxy and Mary. Ooh, and I, Mo, too. I like that. Poxy. Yeah. Hey. I got the reverence. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a Mary wife anymore, but close enough. Uh, love listening and, to the revamp of the show. While saddened by the concept of Stu escaping to have a life outside the studio, it did get me thinking about the revisions or slash versions of classic games. I don't think Stu's actually outside the studio. Better not be. He's still in a studio. I mean, that's quick because then he's like hanging out in my backyard. I don't, I don't know. Oh, outside the studio. Yeah, sorry. That's, I was just kidding. That's, that's a bad what joke. I was going to. It was a terrible joke. <laughs> Um, at what point is it a version ju- uh, just to make it better? Fix problems. Makes more money selling version splat books. For example, I was a diehard hero slash champions fan for many, many years. Most very excited by that. The so first, was I. Yeah. The first couple books built well on each other. We used uh, them for several years until we hit fourth edition. There we settled in, much to the, the dismay of several folks' college careers, Oof. and probably ran with it for around a decade. Ah, oh, the sweet memories of youth, frolicking across the fields of a 12-hour gaming day, nary a care in the world. I'm exhausted after four hours now. I can't. I remember doing eight, 10, 12-hour marathons for sure. We'd break, get food, come yeah. back, game some more. Do is say he doesn't have the stamina he had when he was younger. Oh, yes. It's okay. crazy. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> Fifth edition hero came out. It clarified slash rewrote a lot of the rules. While some of us were grumpy about the change, it became what I've run for folks for the past 16 years or so. It's not my favorite. I feel a bit too, I feel it got a bit too wordy and clunky, but it was still the same system for the most part. When sixth edition came out, though, it was just too many things changed. And it pretty much killed any desire of mine to continue the game. The elegance and nostalgia were gone. And instead, it felt like a bloated corpse of my beloved genre. And the energy required to teach a new version just left me empty. It's very dramatic, but I I get that. I totally understand where he's coming from. Yeah. Me too. In contrast, let's take a look at the most popular loved, hate, (laughs) codependence game in the world. D&D. I'd like to codependence. Yeah. I started playing back in the 80s. I played every version since then. I felt lukewarm about second edition, but meh. 
third was a giant shot in the arm for the game and in many ways swarmed the halls of gaming co- and in many ways swarmed the halls of gaming cons. 3.5 was a good cleanup though publishing complete new books seemed a bit excessive in my humble opinion. The 4th edition D&D came out. Nerd rage was mighty and the Pathfinder folks went off <laughs> with their beloved mechanics hunched over the rules in their darkened caves whispering precious well, I could understand the viewpoint, I did play 4th edition for a bit, and even managed to have a lot of fun. Mostly because I loved the people I was gaming with, and they were fun. It had its flaws, and it definitely split from the prior edition on many levels, but it still mostly worked. Then, 5th edition came out! It seemed to do very well. A certain angry dungeon master commented, They are selling nostalgia. I can see that view, but honestly, the system seems so much cleaner than anything in first or second that I think that assessment is kind of off. So, we have two systems within a decade of each other. One has lost a lot of its fan base over the years, Heroes, while the other one had an upswing in the market with its change, D&D. Is it complexity of systems, marketing, or just the fundamental of actually talking with fans and playtesting with a variety of groups groups to keep in touch. Idly curious about what your viewpoints are on this, especially with the age ranges between Stork and, oh. well, everyone else on oh. the group. Ouch. Oh. Oh. Long live and drink prosperously. Davi from Boulder Creek, California. I probably gamed with Davi at yeah. a DungeCon oh. many, many moons ago back in the first and second ed days. <laughs> yeah. He's a, um, a fan of Hero, and you were a fan of your Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up in the Bay Area, too. Um, so, I had so many thoughts on this. So many emotions. <laughs> um, and I think I just want to start with the uh, 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 overwhelming concept. When we were young, we had lots of time to read game books. And everything was new. And everything was new, and we didn't well i didn't have responsibilities mm-hmm. and so when a new game book came out i bought it and i read it mm-hmm. and then we played it for and and, like, and, and, and and we tried it you know and like there was a certain point where i had all these games on my shelf and i had read them all that's not today um i also used to memorize songs that came on the radio <laughs> because i fell in love with them and they defined who i was and then i got to an age where I didn't memorize a song. I didn't listen to radio. I I, I might have liked a song, <laughs> but I didn't. The words just didn't imprint on my brain. And I think you almost get to a certain age where you don't want to learn anything anymore. Yeah. You know? And, and you're like, all right, this works well enough. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't need the new thing. Like for me, um, I was out of the hobby for about 12 years and when I came back in, everybody was talking about Fifth Ed coming out and all this other stuff of D and D, and I was just like, I read First Ed, I read Second Ed, I read Third. I, I don't know if I'm leaving again. Right. And everybody's telling me how fun and fantastic it is, and blah blah blah. And I just, you know, where, where's the time? Right. Besides, you have a system that you used to play that you still know that that you're comfortable with. The, why don't we just Why don't we just run that? Just, just, just because it's older doesn't mean it's it doesn't, doesn't work. It means it's broken. If you can get your friends to play it, right. it's like any other game. <laughs> yes. 
I don't know. Um, that and, you know, I, I've designed a game. And uh, I'm thinking about coming out with a second edition <laughs> because it gets out in the world and people play it. And, you 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 know, it's like any other piece of art. You know, you can create it. And then you send out in the world, and they'll tell you what it is. Well, operating system. You realize, oh, <laughs> that wasn't clear. Yeah. There's That's a hole there. Uh, I work in IT. You're, 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 you're treading too close to the too too close to sorry, work, man. Sorry, too sorry. close to work. Uh, <laughs> talk, my, my computer's been hard working the last couple of weeks. Again, too close to work. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's, it, there's just a certain point where um, I think it's obvious when some people do it as a cash grab and when some people are like, you know, I succeeded in, in publishing a game. We got it to market. People liked it. There were things that could have been better, you know? And yeah, I, I think, I think you have to kind of make sure we're comparing apples to apples. Well, we're talking about D and D and hero. I'm going to say with both of them, there was a lot to be fixed in those early editions. Um, and so they aren't just putting out an errata to, to, to fix the little tweaks. A, cu- a couple of those editions were cash grabs. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I think like, like smaller companies putting a, you know, a, a cleanup version out like oh hey we learned a bunch of stuff with this first version like that's a little bit different right like i, I think well champions is not on the same level as D now um like there's still two pretty big companies yeah. comparatively when yeah, you yeah. look when you look at the the, the sea of tabletop rpgs like they're some of the bigger game companies um even if there's like five guys in a room um i think the big thing honestly I think you can't deny that D and D being owned by Hasbro is probably the biggest thing. They have like, despite like, you could probably have a very spirited conversation between people who know both edition, both games really well mm-hmm. about no, this is better. No, this is better. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it's based on preference. A lot of it is based on what type of game you want to play. Like, yep, if you want to play a superhero game, you're not going to pull out D and D as your first choice, right? Um, but the sheer marketing power that Dungeons and Dragons has gotten, especially in the last, uh, I'd say, ten years, yeah, um, and their prominence with streaming now, things like Critical Role, um, you know, just their being able to be just like in pop culture as much as they have is some is an undeniable thing that has nothing to do with the actual system itself. Right. So I think looking at the systems mechanics for an explanation of why these two systems, while one is flourished, while one is kind of thrown by the wayside, Mm -hmm. I don't think you can make that comparison because I don't think it has anything to do with mechanics. I kind of like what you're saying. I'm going to take a different tack. I think D&D actually is responding to a lot of what's going on in story games. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And I think Hero tried to respond to what's going on in story games. And I think there there's a big part of the audience of both of them mm-hmm. that didn't want that. I think there are more people in D&D who are on for the ride. Yeah. I, 
I think it's complicated. You design a game, you design a game, you guys aren't Mary, you guys aren't Mary Sue's and you're Pollyanna's. You're not Pollyanna's about I mean, technically, I'm a Mary Sue, too. Yes, you are. I play the key song, <laughs> Mary Sue's, which is my band. Let me explain that joke to everyone who didn't get it. Um, back in the day, Dungeons & Dragons would make their money by selling modules and add-ons and additions yep. to the game. Oh, they also had Dragon Magazine, which also generated ad revenue. Okay, I think you're using, like, making money very generously from what TSR did in the beginning. But what, what they're doing now is completely reinventing the game and making... It's a lot of money to, to rewrite and redo books and all that. And they also generate a lot of money when everybody flops over. They're also doing it because the trends are changing in the story games. Yeah. So they're, they're trying to stay on it and they're making these big sweeping changes. And it, it does allow for more cash. People have to go out and buy a bunch of new books every 10 years. They're also trying to keep up with the times so that they're relevant. I think that somewhere in, the, in there that they need to maybe take a lesson from Traveler or take a lesson from Hero, which is your books, were, or Savage Worlds is great. Your books work. Their system's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. You don't need to fix it. But you can you can add, you can put out content for them. But there's there's not a lot of money in it. Yeah, I think I think that's the power that Hasbro gave yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. It gave them the deep pockets to experiment. And hey, okay, we did fourth edition. We spent a whole shit ton of money on fourth edition. And it did a lot. I it, it really linked in with a lot of video game players. I was one of those people who hmm. Wasn't really interested in tabletop RPGs. Haven't hadn't played anything since like I tried it once in junior high, but I'd played, um, you know, World of Warcraft, Ultima Online. I played a bunch of MMOs, and I was a, a solo RPG player, video gamer, and Fourth Edition made so much sense to me. Yeah, even the party buildup. Yeah, it's like, exactly. It's like just like wow. Exactly. You could. I just sat down, and that first combat, I was like. Oh, we have a cleric, we oh, have a DPS, exactly, and yeah. we have a tank. Got I know it. exactly <laughs> what to do right now. I even had little cards. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is like my spell bar. Here you go. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. So I think it brought a lot of people into the hobby. Um, a lot of people hated it. Um, it did definitely have flaws. I loved a lot about it. Part of that is probably my nostalgia with this is the first time I really dove into right. tabletop RPGs right. because it was the first time I really like clicked with it. And also the first time I was playing with like adults and not other you know, thirteen year old. But details. Uh, yeah, details. Um but, you know, it got revamped and I think Hasbro having the cash to burn on that and being able to say, Oh, we spent a whole bunch on this. This isn't a very old edition. Um so it was only a, it felt like it was only a few years before oh fifth edition and it was like a reset. And of- they did make a lot of splat books for fourth edition, which yeah. I found a lot of those were a lot more interesting like uh, the planes books, I read that cover to cover. I thought it was just fascinating. Yeah. I was like uh, generating all kinds of ideas in my brain. Yeah. So I like those. Yeah. But yeah. you know, I mean, at, at the end of running out of out of topics to write splat books about, they realized they needed to to generate more cash because just like a light bulb, if you make a, you, they can make a light bulb that doesn't burn out or yep. doesn't burn out for thirty years. Yep. But nobody's going to go out and buy any more light bulbs. Yep. Right. So now you put out your game, nobody's going to buy it. Yeah. And they're and you're all done with your splat books. Now where do you go? Now Hasbro's looking at them like, you know, we got a bunch of investors who need to get paid. Where's our bottom line? Yeah. You need to keep it. Okay, so now they reinvent the game. and, and It's a balancing act because they do want to make a game that works mm-hmm. and they want you 
hooked on the game and they want you to play it, but they also need to make money because it's a business. Right. At the end of the day, they have stocks that need to get sold and investors right. that need to get paid off. And that's, it's, it's, we here in the gaming world get, as uh, in the trenches gaming, get upset when all this stuff happens. But we forget that the business of gaming world, the business of gaming is a business, yeah. just like comic books. And sometimes decisions are made that make no sense to us because financially they need to do it. Otherwise, the company's going to go away and the game won't exist anymore. Right. So the planned obsolescence of RPG. It's just Absolutely. there's the reality is it is a business. And we all live in that world, mm -hmm. and we have to understand. Yeah. And it sucks sometimes when every 10 years you have to go out and buy a bunch of new books. Yeah. Look at, okay, let's take Hero for an example. We were talking mm -hmm. a bit before. Like, Hero, I don't know how many people that play it anymore. Those that do have stuck with an edition, and they, that, that's it. That's their thing, and mm -hmm. they, this is, this is the, the edition we play, and we're not, we're not budging. And that's fine, because it works. Yeah. As we said. But it's not very supported. I don't see a lot of, um, splash! I don't see critical role playing hero. I don't mm -hmm. see any. Mm -hmm. I don't see a lot of podcasts devoted to hero. Well, it's not. It's yeah. not a big juggernaut like D and D. And there's not money behind it. There's not a business behind it. And uh, yeah, is it a dead system? It's not. Maybe. It's a good system. It's a great system. Well, I think <laughs> you brought up a really good point. Um, there and critical role. We know them. Abrea, a lot of them. Matt Rocher's been on ours, so this is not disparaging to Critical Role because they're a business as well. Like you probably won't see a big competitor to D on to D and D on Critical Role because they're sponsored by Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. So again, this is just business. This is yeah, the way things work. Exactly. So and they're doing great, and they have a fancy studio, and they mm -hmm. do have all these amazing things because of their partnership mm -hmm. with Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro and Dungeons and Dragons. So. That's one of the things that that Dungeons says Dragons has just nailed and done yeah. so well. They support the communities. Yeah, well, they support the communities, but they also have moved into the new era of marketing. Yeah, and it's not about putting ads up anymore. It's about getting influencers. That's right. It's about sending Come to the a store and learn how to play Adventures League. No, no, it's about here's a beautiful Dungeons and Dragons set mm -hmm. with a special scarf just for this one edition. We're going to send it out to a bunch of people who have a lot of followers on Instagram. Mm -hmm. They take pictures of themselves with it and everyone suddenly is hyped about this D&D &D item and wants to go get it. And oh, oh we're going to get really awesome people who are also well known to be writers on this. So they've really been able to, and a lot of these people are my friends and I love them and I think it's great because they're making a living at it, mm -hmm. but it's undeniably a really great marketing strategy. And it's about all, you know, if, if all the big streamers are posting about D and D, even if they're not in a D and D stream right. at the moment, right. if every time there's a release, there's a few weeks of hype with all these really well-known people getting special gifts, getting fancy dice, playing it, getting an early edition that they can tweet out, you know, little, little hints and like morsels from to build up the hype. Then when they launch their, their, you know, go-to stream actual play of this, you know, whatever adventure or splat book or whatever it is, um, then there's already that anticipation. I mean, it, they've basically taken the model that Apple and iPhones did, mm -hmm. where it was like, Okay, we're gonna go wait for twelve hours in line to get the first mm -hmm. edition of this iPhone, and that's what companies have to do now. 
And so many RPG companies haven't come to that realization. Or or they they don't don't, have the scale. Yeah, Yeah. they don't have the money. Yeah. It's expensive because a lot of times when people are like, hey, I got this beautiful thing, some of them are getting it for free. But a lot of the influencers I know, uh, they get paid. Mm-hmm. It's but, like but even the upfront cost of making and packaging the one collecting game and getting the scarves made yeah. and packaged printed is a lot of money. Yeah, a lot of people just don't have upfront. So but, much. But I get I, what I'm hearing Kimmy say is D and D is growing the pie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're not. They haven't recently tried to sell the whole slew back to their audience. And, you know, I think both companies did a thing where they tried to change the whole line as a cult coming into something, mm-hmm. you know. Well, and and there is a lot of, like, rumor about 6th edition or whatever they're going to call it. Right. And what's going to happen, because it will happen eventually, it always happens, uh, you will start seeing hype about it first before they, like, they might mm-hmm. have a small announcement. Um I'm a fourth grade teacher who's become an expert in social media marketing, but you'll start seeing people saying, Oh, Hey, I got hired to work on this. They'll post it on their Instagram. Mm-hmm. They'll do this. And you'll just start hearing all these things. All these people who are well-known, very respected yeah. are going to become involved or get, you know, first looks at it to start, start that positive hype. If you're not a fan of D and D you're a fan of them. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's like all these people who you like and are fans of are going to start hyping it up and saying it's good. So by the time it actually starts to be like the rollout old school marketing where it's like ads in places and banners at your friendly local gaming store, there's already a huge fan base who's like excited and waiting and wanting it. And that landscape's changed too. I mean, Mm -hmm. gaming stores are closing by the dozens. There's no banners anymore. There's really no, there's no other place to advertise anymore. There's no, nobody has, Dragon Magazine doesn't exist. People are like, what's a magazine? Yeah. It's a, it's a feathery, papery thing to put words in it and ads. <laughs> right. It's, the landscape is changing so quickly that I, I laud anybody that can keep up with it and figure out new ways of marketing. You know, um, it's, it takes money to make money. Yeah. And not everybody has Hasbro's deep pockets. Again, D&D still has to make money at the end of the day. They can't Absolutely. lose a bunch of money because otherwise Hasbro will drop them as well. Yeah. And so, they make a lot of money. They're good at it. All the money that they're paying out for these influencers and to keep their brand on the forefront of people's minds, that things like Champions, things like GURPS, you know, even yeah. you know other systems that also have great qualities, have yeah. things that they are awesome at just can't afford. Right. And all of that is investment. That's that- why you need to listen to Happy Jacks we'll play Traveler and we'll play Savage Worlds and keep <laughs> these games alive and in, in the zeitgeist and in your memory because everybody needs to play Traveler. Well, and that's why we rely... Play the Travelers. <laughs> that's, why, that's why we rely on Patreon. We yeah. specifically are no longer working for ads and we don't try it. We've never really... I think we did a sponsored game once and it was like very clearly not for us. It was like the whole time we're like, can we do that if we're representing a company? I don't know. It's like, no, we want to play games we like. We want to play games for fun. So that's why our Patreons let us be independent. Because a lot of uh, awesome, run by amazing people. I'm not saying being sponsored is a bad or negative no, thing. No, I, I want to be clear about that, too. Yeah. Everybody thinks that because there's a corporate monster no. behind it, it makes it evil. And that's no. not necessarily true. And I also think that D&D being successful, I, I think a rising tide raises all boats. Absolutely. I, I, I mean, something else I was going to say later, but I might as well do it now, which is a lot of people 
get into D&D, get bored, and then they start looking for other systems yep. yes. and other games to play. So it it will help overall, maybe just not immediately. Right. There's a lot of people, and I've been asked so many times, like, do you get angry that Critical Role is so successful? Not at all. No. And it's like, no. Like, so many people have come into tabletop RPGs because of Critical Role. Yeah, the pie is so much bigger. Yeah, and it's like, maybe some of them will only ever play D&D. Some of them may never actually play a role-playing game. Yeah. They might just watch. But maybe those people, like, it won't be Thursday night. They're all caught up on Critical Role. They're going to turn on Twitch on Saturday night. And who are these? Happy Jacks? RPG? These okay. are the coolest nerds I've ever seen. Right. <laughs> or they're going to play D&D for a while. They're going to start wanting to do something else. And they'll get into Traveler. Or they'll play Shibuya Nights. There you go. Or they'll play something by Golden Lasso Game. They'll have to actually design a game yeah. and do R&D for it. Right. And so they may pick up Decima. Decima. So that's the thing. Like, <laughs> like a rising tide raises all boats. As it is. Say. And I, there's room as well for all, all kinds of different shows out there. Mm-hmm. Um, what they do is completely different than what we do. And and, and it's good. And it's good. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, Unless it's bad. And people people like to, like, you know, pit one against another and they like the drama and all that. And I'm, for one, it's, it's tedious. Yeah. And there are podcasts out there that do compete with other podcasts for whatever reason. They think it's a competitive world. And I just, I think there's a lot of podcasters all kind of know each other and they're all kind of well, support each other. Do we even have a podcast network? Yeah. Well, I'm like I'm one of Actually. the old people in the content creation <laughs> now <laughs> in um, tabletop RPGs. I started a group of, um, there's like 30 of us now who all run different networks where there's tabletop RPGs. We're all the like behind the scene managers. None of us are like the stars of the network or anything, but it's all of us who are like doing the scheduling, messing with cameras, doing the recording for podcasts, scheduling the podcasts, releasing it onto other SS. We're all doing all the like behind the scenes work and we're talking. And one of the things I told them in the beginning when I started it, there was a lot of hesitancy, like, well, no, we're competitors. I'm like, all right, let me tell you back in the day when Happy Jack started in 2019, little ones. All right, scoot closer, scoot closer. Um, we used to share the airways. And because that's something we did. Like, we were, we would guest on Fear the Boot, mm-hmm. and they would come on our show and kicked in the dice bags and all these old podcasts kicked in the dice bags right <laughs> <laughs> like they still like for a long time they used a, a song that Stu recorded like as huh. yeah it was amazing but all of us look went on each other's shows it wasn't a huge community and we found out rather than competing with each other and like these are mine like hoarding our audiences our audiences all grew by sharing cross-pollinating exactly because well, it turns out when you have a long commute and you listen to one podcast you want to listen to other ones the that's other right. four days that you're commuting right. as well and you know if you're releasing once a week there's still other days other right. days so yes so and i think that's something that has to be specifically told to people nowadays because they're so used to no we have to build our audience and not share it um, so it's actually been cool and kind of liberating for all of us to start sharing ideas. All of the networks have gotten better. We've learned things mm-hmm. from each other. I learned about this, uh, like so many cool things while I've also like told other people about podcasting tricks and things like that. So it's become this great community. And I think, I think people need to realize that that's what tabletop RPGs are. Yep. Like, okay, you've got the big companies, they are competing. 
But as far as the content creators and the people who play and the conventions and stuff like that, like it's a big community. And as you said, you know, high tides lift all boats. Those people coming in for Critical Role, even if you hate Critical Role, which you shouldn't, but they they do have things I dislike. Um, they have brought so many people into the hobby and we are all richer for it. Yep. And you can have legitimate criticisms of something and still appreciate what they've done for you and what they've done for something you love. And yep. I'm a little drunk and that's my happy Miss Kimmy moment for the end. If of you look podcast. at this, if you look at just to drive the point home and yeah. after this, we can wrap up. But if you look at something like Broadway or even the movie industry, Broadway is probably easier because it's smaller. Everybody that works on Broadway knows everybody else. Mm -hmm. Stage managers, the costumer, they all know each other. And if somebody's costume breaks down, they run across the way and they grab, they get shoes from somebody to come back and save the show. All the actors know each other. They all hang out together. They all in shows together. It's it's this one big giant community. And yes, perhaps theaters are competing for the dollars. But eventually what happens is somebody sees the music man. And then next week they go and they see Hades Town. They they they, realize they like theater. And so everybody's – so. When all the shows are successful, everybody's successful. All of these people are working. None of the people that are in the shows hate the other shows because they they all know each other. It's yeah. a big community. And the movie industry is kind of the same way. You've got actors yeah. working on different lots. All of the people behind the scenes, we jump from lot to lot, show to show, mm-hmm. place to place. We all know each other. Yeah, it's It's a big community. And if you start saying... I hate that person. I won't work for them anymore. You, suddenly your world gets very yeah. small. You yes. start burning bridges and you start not, it's not, it's not smart, but it's also just not good for anybody. No. It's, yeah. it's, it's tedious. It gets old and you get, who, who needs that in their life anymore? And, and at the end of the day, we're, there are more people who don't know anything about RPGs than there are people who know anything about RPGs. At the end and of the day, it, you go to see a show and you're entertained yeah. by the show and it's awesome. You don't need to know how all the, there are more people How the witch flies. There are more people that don't know anything about don't know what a podcast is. Right. Then there are people who listen to podcasts. That's and we true. should all be ambassadors yep. for these hobbies. I was listening to a podcast that's a very boring podcast about statistics of podcasts. Um for podcasters. Well, that's is so it, meta. Is it it's, called uh it's a podcast. Simply, <laughs> simply Podcast? Simply no, It's called The Feed. Oh, but feed. it's basically um, like a podcast for podcasters to get the latest data about, about podcasting. podcasting. <laughs> yeah, it's very bad. But they were saying that, um, like, it's just not available in the podcast it, it is. But um, Stark is very amused by my nerdiness. Um, no, just the, just the madness <laughs> of it all. I'm sorry. Carry it's on, okay. please. But they were talking about how, especially in the last couple of years because of the pandemic, I think it's like. 60 or 65 percent i listened to it like two weeks ago uh, of people have listened to a podcast mm-hmm. and it's something like 80 89 or something like that know what a podcast is yeah. even if they haven't listened to it which is so wild that yeah. it's so different than just a few years ago even so i think things you like a lot of time on our hands yeah recently. well and things like spotify and the fact that well the big change was a few years ago when Apple put their podcasting app as a default right. on everybody's app, on iPhones. Desktop, yeah. yeah, you didn't have to go into iTunes specially and find it anymore. Or they were like, Podcast app, what's that? And then they found it. So okay. And what's also helped again, all right, this is this is all marketing. Well, actually this will wrap up. But <laughs> like fine. for example, people have gotten really into the true crime or the true crime podcast and it had their minute. Right. Yes. And maybe there still no. is, but, but so, what it is, it made everybody aware of podcasts in general and everybody's going out and finding things mm-hmm. in their way. Mm-hmm. 
that they like. And so, you know, the word podcast is not only up on people's radar, but now that they're like, well, I don't particularly like true crime because I I want to be able to sleep at night and not think that there's somebody (laughs) outside my window. I'm going to go play D&D. Yeah. 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 It's it's exciting. And I I think the, the, and in especially the last two years, the ability for people to connect over large distances and kind of rethink how they can be creative in a communal way is really interesting, whether that's with podcasts or streams or all these things. I think if we really start to look at it and I I think long-term it will take a while to see that there are going to be some cool, creative, artistic benefits forced by the hardships of the last, you know, and the challenges of the last few years. Hopefully they stick around. Hopefully those challenges are behind us. Soon. Soon. All right. Back to live gaming. Back to live gaming. All right. I think that's it. Yeah. That was a good deep discussion. I don't I don't know if people will like it. <laughs> it's a little bit it's a big behind the curtain. And yeah. you yeah. know, I think that if you're listening to a podcast, sometimes it's kind of fun to see how it's done and maybe some of the stuff that are out of it. Yeah. I'm I was always fascinated, like with Star Wars, not necessarily with the story, but how how they did that. Yeah. It's always fun to look at it, like how, how that was achieved. I'm endlessly fascinated by behind the scenes stuff. Right. Yep. Endlessly. And this is also like I'm constantly thinking about with Happy Death. So. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for Season 30, Episode 5 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Kimmy. I'm Stork. I'm Mo. Um, please remember to follow us on follow us on social media. We're at Happy Jack's RPG, all one word, everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook groups, everywhere. I even see us on YouTube. Yeah, we're on YouTube. We're absolutely on YouTube. I made a TikTok. There hasn't been anything there yet. Every time I see one of our things on YouTube, I call it up and give it a thumbs up. Yeah. Give us a thumbs up on YouTube. Give us a yeah. thumbs up it on YouTube. Helps the algorithm. Yeah. Well, follow us on whatever social media you prefer, so you can get updates on cool stuff that's happening. JackerCon. Um, you get information when episodes are released on our podcast feeds, or when we're live, or if we've got cool op- things coming up. Not mentioning me, we. <laughs> Specifically, damn it! Now I did. You just mentioned in not mentioning it. Try not to think of a purple cow, and uh, that's all I can think of. The chat room tricks me. All right, um, (laughs) all right, and I think today we're going to leave you with a song. Uh, Renaissance Fair is still going on. Oh yeah! If you're local, come see us. Come say hi. Seek me out. Come say hi. I somebody the other day came up and and very sort of nervously said hi. I'm so and so. You're stork. I've listened to the podcast. You guys have done me a lot of work. Thank you. And I'm like, great. Darren, I think his name was. I don't know. Yeah, he messaged me on Twitter. He's like, are you going to be at fair? I'm like, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm not there. It, it's, it's very cool to meet you. And again, please come and introduce yourself. We're not, we might be busy and sometimes we might seem like we're rushing off and it's usually because we are rushing off somewhere, but it doesn't mean we don't want to see you and it doesn't mean we're trying to be rude. It's uh, it's always awesome to interact with everybody. I love it. Yeah. So that's the Southern California Renaissance Pleasure Fair mm-hmm. and it's going on for three, four Four more weeks, I think. Twenty-five more weeks. It's on. You can look up Renfair, and it's, it's there. I think it's Renfair.com. with I no e at the end. Twenty-first and twenty-second is the last weekend. Okay. Um, and performing there is a band that I used to belong to called the Merry Wives of Windsor. Windsor. Yeah. So we are playing today in homage of to fair is a song called Sail Dawn by the Merry Wives of Windsor, and you can find them at mwow.net.
My lover had left me to sail the seven seas And to his love it would stay true Alone I did conspire to dress in man's attire And to join with his pirate show is a product of the Happy Jacks RPG Network. The Mary Sues performed our intro music, and our ending song is played with the express permission of the artist. Visit happyjacks.org for more information and to find all our streams and podcasts. <laughs>